This segment of Off the Hosel is powered by SaskGolfer.com. He gave it away. Coulter scores. Hey everybody, welcome back to episode number 16 of Off the Hosel. My name is Drew Koser, and I'm your host. I'm not joined by my co-host today, my brother Troy. He's working very hard behind the scenes, um, but not on the show today, but that's alright. Uh, this will be a quick intro for you guys. Uh, I hope everyone enjoyed the last uh, episode with Eric Howardchuck. You know, it was a little long, but, um, you know, it was pretty good, I thought. It was really good inter- interview with him, and he had a lot of good things to say, so... I uh, really appreciate Eric uh, coming on, and and uh, yeah. So, quick reminder, uh, we're on Twitter, underscore off the hosel, on Instagram, underscore off the hosel, Facebook, just add off the hosel. Yeah, I mean, get on those avenues, you know, like, if you want to like us and share us and retweet and follow us and all that cool stuff, then, then yeah, do it. Do it up for us and help us out, and uh, like we mentioned on the, the Monday show, um, we are uh, getting some swag, so some off the hollow swag, so we kind of cool, some different kind of uh, hats and shirts and sweaters, so like we said earlier, keep your eyes peeled for those things, so we'll do a soft launch, and we hope everyone wants them, and if not, then uh, then screw it, whatever, <laughs> then we'll keep them for ourselves, I guess, but uh, I hope everyone wants one, and if not, then yeah. Uh, our guest today is, uh, he's a Molson rep. And yes, we got him. Uh, we got we cracked him down and, and got a sponsor out of him. So our guest is uh, Mr. Dave Stewart from Prince Albert, Saskatchewan. Um, it's a really good interview. He kind of takes all the questions uh, and runs with them. I mean, I didn't ask a lot of questions. He kind of just kept going. So it was, it was awesome and a uh, really good interview. And I'm pretty sure Dave uh, he maybe might have had a cold, so had the sniffles going on there. But uh, other than that, though, it was a really good interview. Um, thanks to Dave for coming on, and this is a really good one. So. Uh, we won't keep you too long here. Uh, we'll h- send it on over now to uh, Dave Stewart. Hope you guys enjoy it. Coors Light is the official light beer of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. It's also the official beer of watching 2013 reruns, catching up on video calls, and wearing the same sweats as you did yesterday. Visit your local retailer for great prices on 18, 24, 36 can packs. Coors Light, made to chill. Alrighty, I am pleased to be joined by a guy that I don't think we have played together, but I've heard everything on just how good he is, and just a great guy in general. I'm joined by the big hitter, Dave Stewart. <laughs> Thanks for coming on today. <laughs> Thanks, Drew. I'm uh, I'm curious where you got big hitter from. I can only imagine it rhymes with uh, Chris Carley. Yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, yeah, nice to be here. Thanks for having me on. No problem. Well, I'm also putting this out there right now at Golf Saskatchewan. If you're listening to this, uh, I want to be paired up with Dave this summer. Maybe not. Maybe not in the Sask Am, but I mean, maybe something else. I mean, you're, you're pretty intimidating, so we'll have to play a smaller event first. I don't know, I don't, I don't know about that. But <laughs> you should have played in uh, the uh, Ryder Cup match last year with Saskatoon Club. Well, I, I mean, you missed the first year, so I thought I missed the next time. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Also, for people that don't know, if this interview is bad, you can all blame Dave. He literally sent me a handwritten page, and I was just like, you kidding me, bro? I, I got to read this thing? Yeah, yeah, that was um, – maybe had a couple beers the night before I woke up. You had, you had, you had asked for some, some past achievements, and uh, I figured what better way to just hand-scribble it down on a piece of paper and, and have you just sort of code through it. That um, that paper so, looked like a map, dude. It was like everywhere. There was like arrows and T's and crosses. I'm like, oh my god, I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I got it yeah, all figured yeah. out. I'll, uh, I'll I'll go back and take grade three cursive again <laughs> just for you. Okay, man. So I want to get into uh, uh, how are you doing? Where are you these days? And what are you up to during uh, COVID? Yeah. So um, yeah. So you know, working. I'm back with um, with Molson and um, oh no, so, free ads. Uh, no, yeah, no free ads. Quick plug for Molson. Uh, we got some new products available. I'll tell you all about it on the pod. Um, uh, no, I'm yeah. I, I, so I came back in March, and so most of my times has been working from home and um, sort of managing the sales team remotely. Uh, a lot of virtual conferences and just trying to get my feet under me again. So it's been uh, fun to be back. Um, but yeah, just like the rest of the golf crew in the in the community, just sort of waiting to see when we can 
sort of manage uh, rounds of golf again under potentially some new restrictions. So I'm just, yeah, waited with waiting with bated breath, like the rest of us to understand when that'll be, but um, trying to stay as busy as possible, you know, walking the dogs, trying to stay in shape, do my own exercises at home when I have the chance and um, waiting for the snow to snow to melt more, more or less. So yeah, that's kind of been the extent of it, but um, yeah, work's keeping me busy. Uh, again, trying to stay in shape and then just finishing up with school. So yeah, lots going on. For sure. Right on. So I, I kind of want to ask also, uh, also Timmy, and let's just backtrack here. Uh, what was it like growing up in Prince Albert? And just give us a rundown on that. Yeah, I uh, love Prince Albert. It was um, a great place to grow up. Uh, so many characters, just, uh, you know, a lot of guys that sort of influenced uh, my golf career um, and had a great, great childhood. Played a lot of sports, played mostly kind of basketball, volleyball growing up. I uh, was never much of a hockey player. I'm just, you know, terrible on a, terrible on a skate. So I tried to avoid that, but uh, played pretty well everything else. Um, yeah, summers were basically, you know, dropping me off the golf course at 8 a.m. Um, you know, got a few bucks for lunch and uh, would just, you know, spend literally from sun up to sun down there. And um, yeah, again, I, I learned the game from from you know guys that were you know quite a bit older than me. Um, some of them are still my close friends. Um, but yeah, I was immersed into kind of the cook me municipal scene from, from a young age and learned the game from my dad. And, um, yeah, I can't say enough of good, enough good things about the community. Um, you know, small tight knit, um, everyone sort of bands together. Um, you know, if you do something wrong, everyone seems to find out about it too. Um, <laughs> So it's got that small town feel, but just big enough that it kind of has everything, everything you need. So yeah, I try and get back when I can. My parents still live there. Uh, I still have a lot of friends that live there. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I was, I had a great childhood for sure. So just touching base on uh, uh, the Cook Municipal, I mean, just from even like eight, uh, 81 to 04, it looked like just like PA just dominated uh, the circuit. You know, I mean, either they, they won or got second, second place. I mean, how was the junior program back then? Did that have a big impact on your golf team? Yeah, it was um, incredible golf program. Um, you know, I learned the game uh, from a young age from Danny Jutras. He was uh, the head pro at the time at, at Cook. He, he kind of taught me the fundamentals. Um, you know, similar things that everyone learns when they're growing up, just grip, posture, stance, um, you know, uh, how to conduct yourself on the golf course. So he was sort of my instructor growing up till um, I would say probably the age of, you know, 14, 15. Uh, but my dad was was there along the way too. So he he was a big part of my um, sort of growing up and getting into the competitive scene. Um, yeah, I mean, there was a handful of great players that you would know. Um, uh, obviously, my dad, Martin Ring, uh, Cam Bergen, Colin Colbin, spent some time in PA. Um, Brian Bamford is another name that sort of comes to mind. Um, and then there's some guys that, you know, play a lot of local events in PA, but they are scratch golfers, um, Trent Catcher, Ashley Zigman. They've played a lot of events. Greg Swenson. Uh, there's there's tons that come to mind. So there was always a game to play. Um, you know, I, I played a lot growing up with guys that were like five or six years older than, than myself. Um, you know, a good buddy of mine, uh, Devin Harris. Uh, played a lot with him. Stu McKaylick, Gord Brown, Darcy Myers. Yeah, the list goes on and on. So, um, yeah, it was always a skins game. They always sort of welcomed me into the pack from a young age, like from the age of even 10, 11. I was playing skins games with guys that were, you know, 17, 18. And I was learning, you know, what it's like to, to lose five bucks and you know, feel completely devastated going home. Um, but it taught me a lot about perseverance and um, just grinding under tough conditions and, and uh, learning about how to handle pressure. So, um yeah, Cook has a great junior program still to this day. Uh, you know, Ryan Wells and Darcy Myers have kind of taken that over and ran with it. But there's been a lot of, you know, provincial junior champs and guys that have gone on to do good things. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's similar to communities like Swift Current, Regina, Saskatoon, PA sort of been a hotbed for, for junior golf. Well, I also wanted to ask you, I mean, are you kind of like every other golfer or junior men's am now that, uh, that also worked at a golf course? <laughs> Any stories, sure did. Oh man, you want to segue into that? I uh, do. 
<laughs> yeah, I, my first job um, was working carts and clubs at Cook Municipal, uh, I think at the age of 12. So I don't know what minimum wage was back then, but I was making minimum wage. I would think it was around five or six bucks an hour. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was working, you know, that sort of uh, five to close shift, um, washing the golf carts, parking them, making sure they're gassed up, um, scrubbing all the clubs in the back shop for all yeah, the members. Yeah. Um, and then I actually got promoted to the driving range at a point in time. So I got to... Um, you know, work the driving range shack and, and take payment for buckets of balls and then pick the range when it was uh, sort of the end of the day. Um, yeah, I do have a couple stories. <laughs> uh, the first one, uh, so I was working, I, I, don't, I think at this point I'd been promoted to the pro shop, so I would have been 14 or 15. Holy. Um, yeah, yeah, I was moving up in the ranks. I figured <laughs> I uh, might have a career. Um, and it was pouring rain. I think it was like a Saturday. It was like two o'clock in the afternoon. And I was working with, with Ashley Zigman, who for those that don't know him is an absolute character. And, uh, still to this day, just an absolute beauty. Um, no one's on the golf course. It's pretty well closed, but we got a, we got a call from someone who's actually out there and said, these two young kids are ramping their, their bikes through the bunker on 15 and you should deal with it. Cause they're, they're ruining the bunkers. And we're like, we're like, well, what the hell? Who's going to, watch the pro shop and Ashley's like, don't worry about it. There's no one around. Let's, uh, let's, let's grab cart 23 and go catch them. I'm like, okay. So we jump in cart 23. It's got the governor off. So it's like moving, moving like 40 or 50 clicks. Yeah. So we get in this thing. We're barreling down hole 11 at cook. We make a left turn at the 15th green. These kids are on their bikes and they see us and they immediately get on their bikes and take off. Uh, into sort of this maintenance path around the 16th tee. And <laughs> Ashley's like, well, we're going to go down 10. We're going to go down the other entry points to the, to the path and catch them along the way. And he's ripping through the golf course trying to get to this maintenance path. So we make a hard left on the, on the, in the, on the 10th fairway, go into this path, and he's not, like, taking the foot off the gas at all. Like, we are flying through the trees. And we are cruising along. We make a left turn. All of a sudden, it is a head-on collision with these kids on these bikes. They go flying off their bikes into the trees. Ashley rams the brakes, makes like a 360 turn, and he just gets up and he's like, you freaking kids, you know not to be out here. He's like, I I should call the cops right now. And these kids are like, you know, now they're crying. And... (laughs) Instead of telling them to get lost, he straps them into the the, 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 the baggage no. holders on the back of the cart. We get back <laughs> on the golf cart and we take them into the pro shop and he continues to ring them out. And, uh, you know, PA, PA justice, we don't ever end up calling the cops. We just tell them to never come back or whatever. But, um, you know, almost killed these kids. Ashley doesn't blink an eye. Um, we, we figured we'd just stuff that one in the vault, but hey, I'm on a podcast right now, so I figured I'd tell it and uh, put it out there. Um, yeah, I mean, working in a, at the golf course, you you deal with a lot of stuff. I mean, I backed the, the, the range picker into the trees and had to get, uh, you know, Gavin at the time to to pull me out of there with his truck and oh yeah, all kinds of stuff. But yeah, you learn about life growing up there and, and, and working at a golf course. You see all kinds of people. That was, is true. It was awesome. Yeah. yeah. So I wanted to move into now, uh, you dominated as a junior, uh, three titles in 01, 02, and 04. I mean, don't mind me asking, but what happened in 03? <laughs> uh, well, it's I actually didn't play really any tournaments in 03. So, uh, yeah, not, not to damper the moon, but, uh, yeah, I, I got a little burnt out of the game. Okay. 2003. I kind of took some time off, just uh, sort of self-assess whether it was a, a game I continue wanted to continue playing. Um, yeah, that was kind of the reason why uh, I didn't play anything. I think it was in, in June where I sort of shut it down for a couple months. Well, and you won three in a row, or three out of four. So I mean, yeah, I mean, take some time off. <laughs> <laughs> take some time off. Yeah. Um, yeah, reassess things, but yeah, that's the reason why. So. I think I played my first Canadian Junior when I was 14. It was at Cook. I was able to qualify. I think, uh, who won that year? I can't remember. Graham, Graham was on the team for sure. Might have been Lindsey Bernikiewicz who won. I, I, can't, I can't recall. Or sorry, no, it was Mike, Mike Dick from PA. Okay. Uh, I think won that year. 
so I, yeah, my first Canadian junior was in BC at Crown Isle. Next year, yeah, I had the opportunity to win in, in Estevan over uh, Nolan Rohatton in a playoff. And then uh, following year, I believe it was Meadow Lake uh, over Robin Vallis. And then it's a tough track, eh? Was in... What's Sorry, that? I was just saying Meadow Lake's a tough track, eh? Yeah, quite a tough, tough track. I haven't played it since, to be honest. Uh, but what I can remember is like traditional tree-lined uh, oh, style course. So, yeah, it's, I thought um, it was tough. I, I remember the one year I was on the SAS Games team when we played there, and I thought it was super tough. It just like got to be so straight. But sorry, go on back to your, uh, your uh, story. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, fond memories of, of you know those two places. And then 2004 with Swift Current. Um, I think on that team was uh, was it Justin Stosky, Scotty Thompson, and – uh, Jalen Arndt. So we ended up playing at Marine Drive in Vancouver that year for the Canadians, and that was a blast too. What an awesome track that is, and and so tough. Um, a, f- a few of us managed to make the cut, up basically on the number, a couple shots under. Um, but yeah, I had some really great experiences as a junior. You know, playing uh, uh, you know Western Canadian Juvenile team and, and a few others, and um, yeah, sort of set the path for my university career and um i was thankful i had some success as a junior for sure so i kind of wanted to segue into that i mean like you you just mentioned how you may you maybe kind of uh sat back and said okay maybe i maybe i'm burnt out or whatnot but um when did you really start to go hey this is fun i like winning and and when did you realize like what did it take to get uh did over that hump yeah well i think it was you know when i when I'd won my first junior, I, 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 I kind of was starting to self-assess myself against other guys across the province and sort of manage my skill set against, against others. Um, and that's really when I wanted to challenge myself to play events beyond sort of what was in Saskatchewan to, to test my game. So, I, you know, I, I tried out the future links. I, I you did moderately well at a couple of them. Um, obviously played the Canadian junior stuff. Um, uh, qualified for the Optimist International in Florida when I was uh, 18, uh, I, I just started to play these Western Canadian events and uh, sort of match my game and, and understand where my deficiencies were and spent a lot of time working on my short game and putting and chipping and, and you know, the scoring club is with clubs with wedges and whatnot. Um, yeah. And it was, I would say around 15, 16 is when I really got serious about uh, looking at university as a, a potential option for golf. And uh, my dad was a huge help there. He, he put together the recruiting packages and, um, you know, I had some contacts in Golf Canada that were able to get in touch with some coaches. Um, never really had any firm offers, but I was basically putting my resume out there to everyone. You know, mostly uh, Div- Division One schools, but like basically anywhere and everywhere. Um, you know, had some interest from some really cool programs at the time uh, when I was playing quite well. Um, you know, like some sexier programs like uh, UCLA was one that came to mind. Um, University of Tennessee. Nice. And I was starting to get really, really excited. I was like, wow, if I, if I get a chance to go to these schools, you know, maybe I have a shot at the pro game. Yeah. You're big um, time. Yeah. That's, then, that's crazy. Yeah. And then 2003 came around and I just, you know, I was completely burnt out of the game. I, I, I figured I was, I was going to complete just quit and, and hang it up for good. Um, but then sort of came to love it again, sort of changed my perspective on what was important, you know, having fun, um, just in, in enjoying sort of the, process of, of of trying to get better versus just comparing my score against others i think i became too fixated on what others saw to me or or you know how my score compared to other people uh, versus kind of what was important to myself and that was kind of the love of the game and so um yeah once i you know 17 18 years old came around i got really serious about uh, trying to look at school again so i i went to henry brunton at the time at golf canada and asked for his help and um, he had two contacts one at university of denver and one university of wyoming and um, they were both you know interested in learning more so i I went on a recruiting visit sent in my resume uh visited both schools uh, got an offer from both and um you know university of denver's private school so tuition's outrageous (laughs) and uh, it just you know was not economically feasible at the time to go there uh, but Wyoming kind of provided the best package. It was, um, you know, a smaller town, smaller team. I could play right away. So, yeah, I made the decision in 2004 to sign with uh, with University of Wyoming. And um, I don't know if you want to segue into that, but that was kind of the start Man, keep of my going. This is perfect. That you're just answering questions. Now. This is awesome. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so, yeah, I went. I, I played that summer, um, 2004. Did 
decently well. Played the, you know, won the junior, played the Canadian junior and, and had some success there. Uh, went to Wyoming. Um, you know, felt pretty comfortable right away. Actually, uh, you know, my first week at school just to meet people, um, I played a pool tournament and uh, won this eight ball tournament in the student union building, went on a free trip to Albuquerque, New Mexico. No it shit. was a completely, completely random experience. Yeah. It was the week before our first event. So surprised my coach even let me go. So my, my first memory of Wyoming was going on a pool trip to play a tournament in Albuquerque. It was, it was crazy. Um, so came back. Um, our first tournament was, I believe air force down in um, Colorado Springs. And I shot 89 my first my first tournament round as a, as a college player. Just completely, you know, had had zero clue what I was doing out there, hitting it everywhere. I think I had 43 pots. It was it was awful. And I just thought to myself, I'm like, is this the way it's going to be the full year? Like grinding to break 80, putting so much pressure on myself. So again, just kind of had to like reevaluate, reset, yeah. reevaluate. Um, you know, I started to get a little bit more comfortable. Played well at the University of Nebraska tournament in the fall. Um, uh, didn't really miss an event. Like, he, he just kept me going. And I got my scoring average down to about 74.5 in the spring. Um, and, you know, at that time, I was I was liking Wyoming, but I just wasn't that comfortable. I couldn't quite adjust to the culture there. It was uh, kind of like a mini Texas. I don't know, very sort of right-wing Republican. I just wasn't really, like, that used to that. That's uh, super clicky to you, probably. Yeah, very much so. And I had good friends. You know, everyone on my team was awesome. Uh, but I just was like, I was missing something. I just I felt like my, my fit was probably better back home at a school. But nonetheless, uh, we were playing decently well. Uh, we went to our conference championship in um, Sun River, Oregon. And so we're playing against UNLV, like Ryan Moore, Spencer Levine, some big names that have played, you know, in P- the PGA, yeah. uh, Martin Laird. So uh, first day, you know, 72, played very well. Our team, I think, is in fifth at the at the time. Next round, go out there, uh, shoot 69, but sh- but signed for 68. So I oh. signed an incorrect scorecard my very last round at the University of Wyoming. Oh, uh, my. Yeah, coach, you know, flipped, flipped out. He was like, you know, you got to be more careful, whatever. This is like we have boosters relying upon our success, yada, yada, yada. So that was kind of the nail in the coffin for me in Wyoming. I just I decided that, uh, you know, the balance between school and golf just wasn't there. Um, you know, got in touch with UBC, uh, UVic and SFU and, uh, yeah, UBC kind of came back with sort of the, again, sort of a good offer for me to go there and play right away. And, and I, yeah, within a week basically made a decision to transfer. So yeah, long story short, my first year was a little interesting, some good golf, some bad golf. Um, and, uh, I had, you know, I'd accumulated all of this merchandise and gear and they took it all away. So I've, I've nothing to my name to show that I went to Wyoming other than <laughs> what's on my resume. Um, so yeah, yeah, it was uh, summer 2005 where I made that decision to go there and, and, um, and we had a, a really good run at UBC. So that's crazy, man. Like, like as if that guy was just like, I mean, I get it kind of, but like people make mistakes. Well, that's. Yeah, I mean, I'd worn all the shirts, I'd worn all the pants, and then they'd ask for it all back. I'm like, what are you going to do with this stuff? You know, yeah. allow someone else to wear it, but uh, it's fine. I get why they do it. They have, they have policies, I guess. So so this is perfect. I mean, they like said less of me talking is awesome, and you're doing great. So I wanted to ask, uh, just after all that, was there ever a time that you thought, hey, like, professional golf, maybe? Like, do I play the McKenzie Tour or the, you know, the Web Tour? Like, I mean, was there ever a time that you thought maybe pro golf is a path for yourself? Yeah, definitely. So, um, you know, it, when my time at UBC was was well spent. I had um, some decent success out there. Um, was able to win a couple tournaments, uh, NCAA tournaments. First tournament I played at UBC uh, was down in Bakersfield, and and uh, and ended up winning that one. And that was um, a really big confidence boost for me to kind of understand my capabilities again. And um, again, playing so much, playing every event. Uh, just allowed me the opportunity to build that confidence and see my scoring average go down. Uh, we were practicing at Shaughnessy every day. It's just, you know, oh. top five track in Canada. It was incredible to have access there. Um, and yeah, as the years kind of went along and I, and I started to improve, 
Um, I was starting again to kind of compare myself to guys that are on our team, but guys that were, you know, in the top 10 to 20 in the NAI rankings. Um, and there's been some tour players that have come through there. Yeah. I definitely thought to myself, you know, um, I feel like I have the ability to do this, but do I have the drive? Like, do I have the work ethic? Do I want to make golf my job? Do I, am I better suited to have like a nine to five and just balance out amateur golf on the side? Um, and I believe it was in 2008, you know, in the economic crisis at the time was not good. Um, and I was, you know, putting together a, a sponsorship package, actually Lindsay Bernikiewicz and Regina and his dad were a big help and kind of helping me put together, um, that with my dad. And I had gone to some people in the Prince Albert community and they had stepped up and offered their support. Um, but again, I was just kind of thinking like, what's the, what's the mini tour life? Like what's, what's financially my plan here? Like, am I going to be, am I going to be struggling to, to make ends meet? Am I, yeah. you know, how am I going to pay for gas and, and hotels? And, and I started to just, again, build all of this mental pressure up in my it's mind. Stressful, that, hey? yeah. yeah, it was stressful. And I thought, I, you know what? I love golf. I love competing. I love grinding and getting better. But I, I, I can't envision myself making it my job and having that type of stress in something that I've grown to love as sort of a hobby and a pastime versus, again, my profession. So um, I kind of called it off. I, I had some honest conversations with my, my, my parents and I just said, you know, I don't, I don't see myself grinding it out on the Canadian tour trying to make a couple thousand bucks. And um, I, I get the PGA Tour life is... Is, is amazing but I, I just being honest with my abilities at the time i just wasn't willing to put in the work and the effort to take it to the next step and i think that's okay like i yeah, think i just sure. made an honest assessment of where i was at in life and what was important to me and um decided that amateur i could get as much fulfillment or the competitive side of things there as i would trying to make it as a pro golfer and you know i honestly have no regrets i'd, I'd maybe at a point in time later down down the road where I can financially handle it. I could try my hand at it again, but no, it's, it, it was just kind of a life assessment at the time. And, um, yeah, that was kind of the reason why. So a uh, little bit of regret, but not really like I, I, I don't look back on it and think that I would make, would have made a different decision to be quite frank. So this segment of off the hustle is brought to you by Brownies golf shop at the Royal Regina, Southern Saskatchewan's premier custom club fitters. Using FlightScope and GC Quad technology, Brownies Golf Shop will give you the high-performance club fitting you need for that new driver or set of irons. Offering a full line of clubs featuring Titleist, Ping, Callaway, TaylorMade, Cobra, and Srixen at the best prices. Brownies Golf Shop, high-performance club fitting to help you enjoy the game. Contact Dean at RoyalRegina.com to book your fitting or yardage gapping appointment. So I wanted to ask too. I mean, I mean, we'll try to spice it up here. But uh, some of your best memories and experience as at the national stage. Uh, just elaborate on, on that for us. Maybe some good stories too. Sure. Um, yeah, there was. Um, yeah, there's definitely a few. Um, oh, there's there's one funny story I wanted to tell from college. But we can we can go back to that. But Canadians. Uh, yeah, I've had lots of fond memories. Uh, made my first hole in one at uh, the Mid Am uh nova scotia in 2015 that was awesome i you know listen to this. i think sean mcnall uh, well sean told me to ask post. yeah so i was i was gonna ask that <laughs> later in the, in the in the gallery but go on anyways go on sorry yeah yeah so that's one of my one of my fondest memories is that moment um i'm playing with graham cook a legendary golf designer and uh kevin temple from from calgary and i just come through the front nine one under it's the final round um you know, playing decently well, gets the 10th hole, and it's this elevated par three. It's about 185, 190 yards. Uh, you can't really figure out the wind direction. Uh, the green sits, you know, way below, probably a 60-foot drop. The pin's tucked front left, and there's a bunker left and right short of the green. And anyone that knows me knows I can't work the ball right to left. Like, I am a cutter. I, I, want, I basically, you know, I'm a one-trick poet in that sense, but, I, you know, I, I can trust it. And the wind's blowing left to right, and I'm hitting an eight, eight iron downwind. And uh, pins front left, so I have like basically no hope of trying to get it close. But I'm feeling good at the time, so I start this thing literally left of the bunker, and I, it rides the wind. It's 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 drifting back towards the pin. It lands about a foot and a half behind. 
takes one hop, zips back, goes in the hole. There's about 20 people watching, and we just go absolutely nuts. And <laughs> high-fiving Graham Cook. He's like 70 years old at the time, and I'm like barrel-rolling him on the tee. We're going wild. Um, so, I, yeah, I take a photo on the green. Uh, I think I get to three under at that point. And, uh, yeah, next hole is tough little par four with OB on the right. And I basically sh- almost shank a two iron and it hits the OB post and stays in bounds. So that was kind of the breaks that I'm getting <laughs> during the day. And, uh, I managed to squeak in, I think it was par 70 and I, I squeaked in at two under and, and made it, uh, in the top 10 that year. So nice. I was able to get exempt for the following year. And that was a ton of fun. Yeah. That was a really good memory of mine. Um, all of them are good though. Like I've had, um through juniors through the ams through the canadians we played amazing courses um yeah the, the successes you know are, are great but it's kind of the memories of the people even the years that i've missed the cut you know i've been been able to caddy you know i caddied for brett henry in ottawa that was really cool because he was playing well at the time and um everyone just kind of supports each other and has a good time along the way like you know when we're done the round we'll we'll definitely have a beer or two together and and sort of shoot the shit so to speak and um and just sort of enjoy the moment because you never know when you're gonna get back right so yeah it was a ton of fun so i also wanted to ask you i mean uh some of those rolling cup teams i mean uh uh, how are those and and those experiences i mean you played on six i believe right so if you want to touch on that for us yeah they were all you know uniquely different and special and, and the courses that you play are are great um yeah the years that well i mean the the one year there was four of us that took a road trip out to victoria and that was i probably have to tell the pg rated version of that story but we uh we drove through the night and uh did a road trip together me scott thompson sean dumphy and, and dakota cameron and you know spending a full day together in a car just talking about golf and life and, and just laughing is just it was so much fun um and, you know, you're playing great courses, Roll Callwood, Gorge Vale, really, really tough. Um, I mean, my memories are just the quality of courses that you get to play and the conditions, right? Because they, yeah. they got those greens running 13 on the stamp. They got the rough thrown out. And if you shoot even par, you feel like you've shot 65. <laughs> so, um, yeah, my memories are kind of the preparation leading up to it, the people that I got to travel with, Um you know, the, the tough thing about Saskatchewan is there really isn't anything that prepares you for that. You have to kind of create your own um, practice plan to get ready for it because um, the courses are just set up so difficult that it, it's hard to find anything around here that it, that gets you ready. But, um, yeah, I mean, I've played – what are some courses? I mean, Victoria Golf and Country Club in the mid was amazing. Um, we got to play – um what else did we play there well riverside i should say this riverside in 2007 is probably my fondest memory of, of the canadian am um, my dad and i were on the team at the time we both made the willingham cup oh wow that's um, awesome that's pretty cool yeah yeah so my dad won the am that year um he'd won it in what were i hope i don't get this wrong 77 <laughs> 87 and 2007 Wow. So he, he missed, he missed 97. I think that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> and so he, he, he'd won in a cook. Um, he had won the central in, in Saskatoon. Um, I think it was myself, Tyler Frank, Luke Sheard, and my dad on the team at the time. Uh, I was able to make the cuts and get to the round of 16. And, you know, unfortunately my dad that year signed an incorrect scorecard himself at the Canadian Am. Oh. So he was, uh, he got DQ'd, but we were able to spend that whole week together and, and they put on such a great event and there's so many people around the community that I knew that were out watching and it was just so much fun. So that, that year at Riverside was definitely the best, I would say. So uh, one more little point here until we move into the questions from the gallery. Um, you have two titles in the SAS Men's Am. Uh, let's just chat about that a bit. I mean, and just explain, I mean, uh, how hard is it to win that? And just what's the grind like and some of your experiences in, in those two championships? Yeah, they're both, uh, for any friends that are laughing, they, uh, a couple of them always make fun of me for winning rain-shortened events. So the one that I won in 2008 was rain-shortened at uh, the Royal Regina. Um, yeah, I mean, so my memories of that were, uh, the Royal's a bit of a tricky tricky golf course in the sense that um, smaller greens, a little quirkier off the tee, 
um, you kind of got to get through the first four or five holes before yeah. you get really comfortable. It's not that easy, right? Everyone thinks it's so easy. It's not that easy. Like um, two, three, five, two through five is tough. I find it's a gross so, stretch. So hard. Is very hard, and uh, I think every day I was I was able to get through around even par. So you get to kind of the scoring holes and get a little bit more comfortable. Um, I don't recall what my my score to par was, but I think I was a couple under when I won. Um, and yeah, my memory of that is is having kind of a three and a half foot slider to win by one on eighteen after ramming it wow. from like eight feet behind the hole, three three and a half feet past, and I, I think I clipped. Um, Carter Hilkowicz from Weyburn that year and, and Brad Piero and uh, I believe Ken Rogers um, was on that team so that was that was Lethbridge Paradise Canyon and we did decently well there so Range Short and Am uh, 2013 was in Melfort uh, played really well that that year um, I think I was seven under for uh, the four rounds um, and uh, you know, Sean Dunphy, who's a good friend of mine, uh, played the last two days at double digits under par. So he was kind of nipping at my heels a little bit. But I was playing really well. The grind is hard because you're, um, you know, once you kind of get a lead, you're, you're, you're thinking about how to protect it. But you're still trying to, like, uh, you know, go as low as possible. Um, you know, for me, it's just uh, just attention to detail around course management and, and trying to birdie every hole versus, you know, not trying to protect a par or play too safe yeah so it's really like you know that ability to get your mind into um into a scoring uh, mindset versus you know just trying to make the cut or just trying to make the team i think a lot of players in saskatchewan who are very good and who have the ability to win um sometimes play a little bit too safe and i've always just tried to go in and and um obviously try and try and win but try and win as by as much as possible and i don't think that's being selfish i think that's just trying to be competitive and 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 trying to you know force everyone to play at a different level, I guess. But yeah, those two events have been close a couple other times, but never have quite been able to break through. Um, but yeah, those two years were really good. Alrighty, sorry. Uh, off to uh, questions from the gallery, sponsored by Timberstone Distribution. Uh, this first question here. Uh, I mean, I am probably the same as you now that I've uh, got this question from someone, but I'm a big sweater, dude. I'm a huge sweater. I sweat a ton. So I'm pretty sure after grade nine, I haven't worn a gray shirt. And uh, anyhow, it's not about me, though. This question is from Tori. How many towels have you ruined due to sweat? Oh, God. I saw that question. I knew it was coming. <laughs> Tori gives me such a hard time every time we play golf because I leak. I can barely wear a hat because I just sweat right through it. Um, how many towels? I mean on a weekly basis monthly basis i, I mean monthly probably go through three i don't know it's that's a tough question we'll go with three three per month in the summertime maybe i'm worse i, I mean i legit have like six uh golf gloves tied on my, on my golf bag and i <laughs> rotate every two holes it's disgusting yeah um, yeah but yeah, hey i'm there with you it's okay we're in this together exactly um next question what do you think golf clubs uh should do more of to, more of today to grow junior golf um, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, accessibility is one, um, trying to get the juniors to, um, you know, play a lot of rounds or be immersed in some of the men's tournaments. I would love to see the juniors, uh, you know, uh, be involved in, in some of the amateur events that are already scheduled in the order of merit. Um, I've, I've had the opportunity to play with juniors at Scotia Wealth and Dean's done a good job of, of uh including those those kids um you have to have a good fundraising program you have to raise money to allow these kids to to travel and experience events um i think you have to get golf into the school programs as sort of a um, a core curriculum or a core objective of sort of physical education where you can um because I, I mean golf clubs just sometimes don't have the capacity to do it on their own but if it was part of like, uh, you know, the public school system or Catholic school system and uh, at, a, at a larger level, you might yeah. be able to create more interest. Um, and then you have to reduce the cost of these of, of equipment for kids that might have the barrier uh, there. Um, and um, so those unique fundraising programs to provide the equipment and provide this access to clubs will, I think, end up growing the game. Um, but yeah, just um, getting getting kids involved in tournaments at a young age not not to 
try and compete and win, but to learn what it's like to, um, you know, uh, handle yourself uh, professionally and, and learn the rules of the game. And it just teaches you a lot about life along the way. So weirdest or craziest thing you've ever seen on the course weirdest or craziest thing i've ever seen on the course and if you have no answer to that maybe we'll do the college story that we forgot to touch on (laughs) um i'm having a tough time thinking of one particular moment maybe we'll we'll shift to the okay spin it to the college yeah do that college one then oh man okay so (laughs) I got approval from my dad to tell this story. It's really funny. <laughs> um, so we are, I forget what year it was. I think it was 2006. Uh, we had a college event in uh, San Jose. So it was a really cool spot to go and travel to. Private club down there. Um, I want to say it was in November. And, you know, at that point, it was getting a little cold around PA. Parents wanted to get away on a, on a vacation, but come see me and, uh, and play. So they got in their car and they drove to San Jose, like 30 hours. And um, I, they get there, you know, that morning when it's uh, the 36-hole day, so the first day of the event. And um, I see my parents roll up. Um, you know, mom's dressed in her golf attire. My dad's, I think, got a pair of black shorts on and a, and a white golf shirt. And they're excited to see me. I'm excited to see them. Um, I tee off on one. It's like a downhill par four greens, like a hundred feet down from the fairway. It's kind of wet and dewy. So it's uh, set in the stage. It's kind of, you know, really slick out there. Yeah, yeah. And um, I hit my tee shot to about 150, um, hit a nine iron about 12 feet past the pin. And my parents are standing up like by the tee box and I'm walking down the hill to the green. So I get to the green, mark my ball, kind of reading it from both sides I go behind the ball, put my ball down reading it again and i look up and my my dad is sliding down the hill head first on his back and there's a streak of mud from basically the top of the hill the t-box running down the fairway and he's you know sliding down and my mom is just laughing and all of a sudden like everyone stops and they're looking and they're just losing it laughing and my dad probably goes like 60 yards sliding down this fairway and he gets up and he's covered in mud and oh my god we're, we're losing laughing and he's like telling my mom to calm down and she's laughing so he starts marching up the hill head to toe covered in mud he's pissed eh yeah pissed and <laughs> i got to like you know collect myself read the putt and try and make it and uh yeah he had to, they had to drive in check into the hotel early change up and come back to catch me for the back nine um but it was just it was just so funny that was uh yeah that was one i wanted to tell i mean the gary player story is pretty funny too that'll be the last story we'll tell one at the very end here um okay this is from dave and i legit thought this was was your twitter handle this is from dave three three two one four two six nine um (laughs) who would win in a round of golf you or your dad when he was in his prime Oh, definitely my dad. Way better ball striker. Um, he was a, a an awesome putter at that time. I mean, I've I've seen him play cook and, and shoot sixty three and hit eighteen greens and not have a birdie putt outside ten feet. Like, I mean, oh, wow. hard to hard to compare. And that was when equipment was way different. I would I would say my dad's peak was was better than mine because I thought his all around game and the ability to work the ball both ways um, and just have a great short game at the time was. Uh, sort of surpassed what I was ever able to achieve. So, I mean, yeah, honestly speaking, I would probably say him for sure. From Justin Wood, uh, uh, how do you hit the baby fade asking for a friend? <laughs> uh, you got to be a little taller. So you got to be a little more upright. Um, maybe a little bit heavier set. Get those hands really high at the top of your swing. And then, uh, you know, fire those hips at impact. Just come in a little bit over the top and, and have a bit of a shut club face. Um, and just trap it. Just that trap hold off cut. That's what I've, uh, uh, sort of the one that I've been mastering for a long time. But uh, yeah, I would say, yeah, get the, get those hands nice and high, almost touching your head at the top of the swing, Justin. You'll, you'll figure it out. <laughs> uh, this guy's an absolute beauty. Uh, from Mike Tate, best gambler you ever played with. <laughs> Tater. He probably wants me to say him. <laughs> I've, I've gambled for a little bit with him. Uh, best gambler, probably Lee Fairburn. 
Um, and a guy that I play more golf with now, Mike Smith. He's a buddy of mine in Saskatoon. He's a pro poker player, so you can imagine he likes to put a little money on the line. I'd say those two guys. Yeah, and then Tater, number three. <laughs> uh, okay, well, let's spin that then. Uh, how much money have you played for then? Let's put it that way. And lost or won? Oh, I don't, you know, I don't play for a lot. Um, the most I've lost, maybe a couple hundred bucks, but I typically don't play for more than like 20 or 30 bucks. We usually do like a 10, 10, 10. Okay. Um, and, you know, we'll do closest to the pin for a buck sort of thing. So we, you never really lose more than 40 bucks. I'd say a couple hundred bucks, maybe. Yeah, I haven't really, I don't really bet that much. Too cheap. <laughs> okay, uh, before we go into the the player story here, uh, uh, last piece of uh, advice that you could give a youngster that would maybe help them follow in your footsteps or just even like, you know, the grind process on what it takes to make uh, college level or, or just winning in general. Yeah, I think you got to be willing to sacrifice um, your work ethic above all else. Like, there's going to be some things that you miss out on along the way. Um, there might be a sport that you have to put aside in the summertime to really focus your time and attention. But when you're ready to dedicate to yourself the game, you have to be willing to do stuff that kind of no one else is willing to do. And, you know, that's long hours on the range. That's playing, um, that's playing for, you know, the those money games with guys that are better than you always play with guys that are above your ability level. So, you know, you're always striving to find those areas of improvement. Um, play as many tournaments with uh, that you can and learn what it's like to handle yourself under pressure. Um, I, again, like I, I think what sort of helped me out along the way was, was playing those events for fun, but at, a, at an early age to, to understand what it's like to feel that grind and to feel what it's like to lose um i think there's too many kids that um have been accustomed to sort of getting the participation ribbon and you have to learn what life is like when it doesn't go your way yeah totally um, agree you can you can only learn that by um putting yourself in competition and and losing and learning how to recover and and make yourself better so but work ethic is number one for sure and and that's that it's again that's just that the, the time practicing that um guys aren't willing to do you know i was a I was a range rat growing up and I spent hours on the putting green, just envisioning myself hitting shots in tournaments. And, um, and then I just tried to replicate that feeling in, in competition. So yeah, kind of a rambly answer, but all of those things combined. Probably. <laughs> no, 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 that's perfect. Uh, Jay, so, uh, last stories or anything that you'd like to touch on before I let you go here. Oh, well you queued up the Gary player story. So I think I got to, yeah, you got to hear that. it. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's not. It, I don't want to say it's the best story I have, but it's it's funny because it's it makes me look a little bit bad. But um, our my first two weeks at UBC, we uh, um, found out that Gary Player was doing sort of a sponsorship event at Shaughnessy, and that we were invited to go watch him. And uh, so, you know, it's middle of the afternoon. Some of us didn't have class. We head out there, and he's doing like a nine hole session with a bunch of sponsors and we get out there and, and he's like interacting with the crowd. He's you're talking about his stories of playing tournament golf and playing the masters and all that. And he's letting people hit shots. So um, I'm getting kind of excited. I'm like, you know, if Gary asked me to hit a, a shot. I'm definitely going to step up to the plate here. It'd be fun. So we get to this hole and it's um, dog leg right par four. And uh, he looks at me and he's like, Hey, you do you want to want to hit a tee shot? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Let's, let's do it. So I think he was playing like Callaway at the time. I can't really remember, but it was like a 65 gram shaft, um, super whippy. I think it was regular, uh, regular shaft. And then I'm like, well, I'm going to probably smother hook this thing. Sure enough. <laughs> I step up there, take a lash at it. And I hit this kind of pull sort of dovetailing into the left rough. It probably goes 265, 270 and sort of nose dives. I'm like, Oh, that was probably not the best swing for, for Gary, but what the hell? <laughs> And, uh, he just, he looks at me and he goes, yeah, you got a, you got a pretty good move. Do you, do you play much golf? I'm like, well, yeah, I play on the team here at university and just started. He's like, oh yeah, do you have any aspirations of turning pro? I'm like, ah, I'm not sure yet. I'm, I'm kind of figuring that out. We'll see. He's like, well, if you decide to, you're going to have to lose 25 pounds. He's like, you're too big. He goes, he goes, I do 150 setups a day. I do hundred pushups a day. He's like, you got to get yourself in shape. I can just tell by looking at you that um, you got some work to do. 
I'm like, whoa, <laughs> I was not expecting that from Gary Player. Um, so I've never been able to look at the Black Knight the same. He's, uh, I, I've, yeah, I used to like him. Now I'm not so sure. But the funny thing was he said the exact same thing to a girl on the girls team on the Black Knight. No shit. And, and she didn't take it so well. So um, <laughs> I, I, think I, I think I handled myself uh, okay despite the circumstances. So, yeah, that's my little story about Gary Player. Yeah, man, this is uh, this has been awesome, man. I don't know. Do you have anything else you want to touch on before I let you go here? I don't think so. Yeah, I think you're uh, you're doing a good thing for the game and bringing guys like us who uh, you know love the amateur scene together and, and have some fun doing this. Um, if you're ever looking for guys that I'd recommend for the podcast, there's some characters out there spice things up. So um, yeah, thanks for having me on. I had a I had a good time. Thanks for doing this, Stevie. Take care. You too. Thanks. This episode of Off the Hosel is brought to you by Extreme Hockey and Sports and Umbrella Marketing Solutions. One stop for all your sports, marketing, and corporate team and sales. Come down and see Donnie and Daphne for all your sports and corporate needs or contact at this number 306-539-6101 or email donnyyearen at extremehockey.net. That's D-O-N-N-Y-U-H-R-E-N at extremehockey.net. Well, there it is, the interview with Dave Stewart. Um, really good interview. You know, we did into, we dive into some college talk. Uh, you know, we did the talk about, you know, just even his golf now and, and, you know, where he's working. And, you know, just I really asked questions to Dave, and he just took him and ran with him. It was a very, very easy interview, uh, easy to talk to, a lot of fun. So uh, thanks again, Stewie, for coming on. And, by the way, keep your phone on because we will be golfing this summer. Um, I don't know where, uh, but, yeah, keep your phone on, and we will be in touch. Um, moving forward, uh, I want to give you a couple notes before I let you guys go for the rest of your week, weekend, uh, whenever you listen to this podcast. Um, we, uh, we're on Twitter, underscore off the hosel, Instagram, underscore off the hosel, Facebook, off the hosel. Uh, keep your eyes uh, peeled and your ears open. Uh, obviously, I announced on Monday, uh, you know, we're having a soft launch, have some clothing, hats, shirts, sweaters, hoodies, you name it. Uh, so keep your eyes open because uh, you don't want to miss out on this opportunity. Get some swag from, uh, you know, off the hosel. Uh, I don't have much more, I guess. Uh, I mean, maybe, oh, I guess next week we have on, uh, yep, Mike the Insider Commodore. So, uh, you know, yet, yet again, another great interview. Uh, we're just trying to really uh, take the right way here. I don't know what the what I'm saying right now, but I'm tired and it's a midday week podcast. So, uh, I'll let you guys have a great uh, rest of your week, weekend, and uh, we'll talk to you guys Monday. Take care, everybody.